0: step by step. And it's Adams took through by bold. Would you believe it?
1: That sums it all up. Then he carles the far away
0: stands. Hello everyone and welcome back to That Sums It All Up. Happy belated start to the 2022-23 footballing season. I've been holidaying Enjoying the freedom of no responsibilities. That's no, not been podcasting too much over the last summer months. But don't you worry, I'm back. We're back. That sums it all up. Is back. Today's show, first half, we're gonna be catching up with Johnny about the start of the Premier League season. Second half, we're gonna be previewing this weekend's North London Derby, also with Johnny. Speaking of Johnny, welcome back Johnny.
1: Well, welcome back. Welcome back everyone. Welcome back, listeners. It's been a while. <laughs> a lot has happened. I can't really remember the last one we did. Um, I have a feeling we lost after it, so hopefully that's not um, an omen for for what's to come tomorrow, but um, good to be back finally. Yeah, a lot's happened, obviously, since we last spoke on the pod, and most of it's been good, so I'm sure we'll, we'll jump into that pretty, pretty quickly. How have you been though otherwise, Alfie?
0: Yeah, I've been well. As I said, been enjoying my my break of responsibilities, having finally graduated from uni and taking the summer off from football, as we all did, because there was no football, and having an extended summer deep into September. But now the dust has settled. It's very autumnal. It's, it's raining outside. It's getting dark at about six o'clock. Autumn is coming. Winter is coming. Um, but at least, well... Starting tomorrow, for the next few months, we have plenty of football to keep us and keep myself entertained. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you mentioned we we haven't spoken for a long time. I think it was sort of towards the back end of last season. I think we were still <laughs> in with a chance of of Champions League, fo- Champions League football. It didn't happen. Mm-hmm. But let's let's not go back too far. Let, let's focus on on the more recent past. So, Premier League so far. I don't know about you, but I've like. I've enjoyed this start of the season even though it's been interrupted by you know Her Majesty the Queen's death and other things have interrupted it and the international break for example mm. I've really enjoyed the starts of this season um, and maybe even more so just because I felt I feel like I haven't had enough of it and the fact that Arsenal are you know it's going about well for us I don't know how you how you think um, how what your thoughts are on the start of the season
1: yeah, I think I think obviously when when you start a season so positively like we have, we're always gonna be inclined to, to sort of look at the past few months favorably. But actually I think from a broader perspective, the football's been really good across the board in the Premier League. I know I mean above the nine nil I mean Bournemouth actually have been thrashed a few times, but they they look like they've got their act together a bit. They're actually twelfth at the moment in the Prem, so not doing too badly. And a lot yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's, so you know they've picked up a bit since they got rid of of uh, of Scott Parker, and um, and in general, all the games I've watched that haven't included us uh, have, have been a really good standard. I mean, I watched the Newcastle City game, which ended three three, which was yeah late late August. That was a brilliant game of football. Same with Spurs, Chelsea, um, really entertaining watch. So I think the football's been really good, and I'm really optimistic really for the next month and a half and then I'm not so optimistic for once the Premier League returns after the World Cup because I think we'll see a lot of players who are burnt out mentally, physically. we'll see a lot of squad rotation. we're going to see a January transfer window that might be more similar to a summer transfer window and um, and yeah, we'll, we'll I'm sure we'll come to that as and when later in the year but um, but yeah so far I agree with you it's been really good it's been really positive uh, none more so really than from an Arsenal perspective
0: Yeah absolutely well let, let's look at uh, the Arsenal perspective before we get back into maybe a bit more of a broad um, Premier League perspective Arsenal are as things stand at the moment of recording top of the league six games one from seven and yeah as you say it's been really good football the confidence is high the the shared kind of chemistry between players fans manager everyone involved in the club as we were seeing a lot more last season has really sort of carried through from from last season despite you know the rather disappointing end to the season there's a there's a kind of refreshing energy and um you know the direction that we've been the path we've been on for the last sort of year or so is really coming to fruition. Um, I mean, the new signings, the new players encompass that more than anything. Uh, Gabriel Jesus, obviously signed from Manchester City, has been a a game changer in terms of what he brings to our attack, especially when you consider sort of the the guys that were leading the line last year. Um, William Saliba obviously was our player already, but has come back and slotted in seamlessly and has fast become almost the most popular player um, in the team, from a fan perspective, mm-hmm. he has, you know, really uh, hit the ground running. And I think everyone is just so pleased more than anything that it's gone well because it was such a rocky road to this point and and not everyone saw it coming. And then, of course, you know, Alexander Zinchenko joined, uh, Fabio Vieira, who we're starting to get glimpses of, Marquinhos. Also looking, you know, very promising. Another snip from uh from the Brazilian leagues, and then Matty Turner from uh <laughs> from signed from uh who was he signed from? New York Revolution, I think uh,
1: it was. Uh New England.
0: New Revolution. England, New England Revolution. I think. One of those. Yeah. Anyway, apologies for our, our lack of uh specificity in, in this regard. But Yes,
1: and let- and and apologies to our US listeners.
0: Yeah, yeah, of course, all the many US listeners because we are a global podcast. Um, yes, how are you feeling, just generally about the kind of the new blood, the the fresh impetus that the new players have brought us, the kind of level that they've set, especially you know the likes of Jesus and and what he exudes to the people around him. How would you sort of sum mm. sum that up um, from where you're sat?
1: I think it's been absolutely game-changing for us. Having, obviously, the two boys coming from City, Jesus and Zinchenko, has has completely um, revolutionised the the mentality within the squad. They look like winners. Obviously, both Zinchenko and Gabriels are winners. They've got four Premier League titles each, won multiple domestic cups. They've played in... I think yeah, I think they both played in the Champions League final. Though I haven't actually verified that, but obviously they both were involved in that run to the Champions League final and multiple Champions League quarterfinals and semifinals with City. Um, Gabriel Jesus also has obviously won the Copa America with um, with Brazil. So, we're talking about despite their age, hugely experienced players who have won multiple trophies for club and country. And they've they've come into the dressing room with that mentality, and the squad, as we know and we've discussed, Bar sort of Xhaka and party is very young and and impressionable, and these are the exact sort of senior figures that they need to be learning from. So, yeah, you know, your Martinelli's, your Salibas, your Saka's, but even your um, your your Vieras who are coming in at the same time, or Ramsdale, who's younger than them. Ben White, also a few years younger. I think it's 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 amazing recruitment. It's, it's the best recruitment we've we've done in a long, long time. Uh, I know last summer, when we signed Ramsdale and Tom Miasu, et cetera, was was very positive and very successful. But this is a different calibre of player, both on and off the pitch. I also think, and then alongside that, having Saliba sort of slot in seamlessly into defence has been really just... I don't know how to describe it. It's been a breath of fresh air. I think we all saw how good he could be in the loan spell, especially with Marseille. But no one, or at least I didn't, I don't know about you, but I didn't quite believe he would ever show out at Arsenal to be the player that we we know he could be. I thought he would leave or he'd maybe go on loan again this season and force to remove next summer. So to see him playing, for me, he's sort of one of the first names on the team sheet now. And he plays with such composure, such confidence. There's there's a real aura about him, and I don't want to get you know carried away. But it is like the aura that some of these great centre backs, your Maldini's, your Van Dykes, they they have this aura, uh, Vidic that they sort of carry around the football pitch, and, and and Saliba definitely has that about him. So hopefully he can just continue to go from strength to strength.
0: Yeah, and let let's let's just remind ourselves that he's the guy is 21 years old. And look, mm. a lot of people were critical of Arsenal's decision to send him out on loan. And and look, we I think the club regret certain actions. I think there was the first half of uh, his second full season at the club where time ran out and he didn't get the loan that that was sort of planned for him because they were focusing on other business. I think that's when we signed Thomas Partey. And um, you know, and then he's he's played for various French clubs. And people are saying, well, why why is he not? Playing for Arsenal when we've got sort of a uh, a rather interesting muddle of centre backs at the time, but you look mm, at it exactly. now and you think he's had all that game time competing in Liga with Marseille last season. He's playing in the Champions League. He's playing in the Europa League. He, you know, he didn't miss a game. He was he was sort of ever present there, and he's come back and just looks ready, like so ready in a way that maybe he wouldn't have been last season. Over the last few years, when there's been a lot of turmoil, turmoil on the pitch, and I think we've always, I think it's always important to remember that you can't. It's quite irresponsible to bring a young player like that into a sort of a toxic, hostile environment where the team isn't settled, and and it's it's a lot better to be able to bring them into a sort of stable, positive environment in which they can shine and and contribute. And I think we're we're really seeing that with Saliba, and yeah, like you say, his aura, his presence his coolness. Um, I mean, that goal against Bournemouth was just, (laughs) uh, I couldn't believe, I couldn't believe, couldn't believe what I saw. And we, we watched a game together. We went to the Leicester game together and, you Mm. know, he scored the own goal, but his head didn't go down. The crowd were absolutely unbelievable with him. And I think there's this real kind of, as I said, special bond between Mm. the, the players and, and, um, and the fans at the moment. But yeah, I think, Let's transition the conversation because you know Saliba coming in and starting at centre back, which mainly was a result of Tommy Asu's probably lack of fitness, which meant that Ben White shifted to right back. There have hmm. been a few adaptations to to the system uh, at the beginning of this season. I mean, Ben White obviously playing at right back, and he's doing very well, keeping Tommy Asu out the side, whether he's completely fit or not. You know, that's that's almost a different question because I think White. Is his position at the moment. Granit Xhaka has been uh, a name in in the sort of media as it as it always as he always tends to be, but in a really positive way, and I think he completely deserves it. His position, his contributions have been so different and so impressive at this stage of his career, playing in that sort of left eight position, getting really high up the pitch, creating goals. He scored, I think, once. Has he scored once? I think he scored. He
1: scored, scored once and registered three assists so registered far. Registered three assists, yeah, nice. In, in, in the Premier League, so that's that's already a a season best for him. He, he never previously registered more than two assists. Yeah, exactly.
0: And, and I read a stat the other day about how he's on par with I think it's Kevin De Bruyne and maybe Gundogan from Manchester City in terms of shot uh, passes leading to shot creating actions or something like that. <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah with, with Salah and de bruyne for 20 25 yeah 25 shot shot creating chances
0: yeah so he's you know he's he's playing with a real creative flair and he's playing every mm. game and he's leading by example and you know that kind of freedom and and in in the position that he's playing but also the kind of tactical understanding and discipline that he he brings to that position i think has sort of surprised a lot of people because i think a lot of people wanted a you know a left eight in the summer and people were wanting Yuri Tielemans to join and you know Granite Jacker yet again has sort of uh reinvented himself, come back from mm. from sort of uh you know low being lowered in people's expectations and he's doing a fantastic job, don't you think?
1: I th- I no, I do think he's been brilliant this season, but actually I think since by by and large, since we signed Thomas Party, he's he's mm. been very good. I know mm. That we signed Thomas Party in September 2020. And let's just say those last three months of 2020, the less said about them, the better. But once we got past that that phase, and really since we beat Chelsea 3 uh, 1 at home on Boxing Day, which was December 26, 2020, and Jacker actually scored a brilliant free kick in that match, he's being very, very good by and large. I mean, look, I know he got a red card last season away against Liverpool in the, in the Carabao Cup semi-final. Um, But he's been consistently, you know, decent. He's been hard to fault. consistently seven out of ten. What we're seeing now is probably the, the result of a few things. It's the result of him playing in a position where there's less responsibility on him to do more than one job. He's got a job to be a box-to-box in the field, to get up and down that left eight channel of the pitch. He doesn't have to play left-back. He doesn't have to play in a single pivot on his own. He doesn't have to play in a double pivot with Party because is playing that deeper role. He's got co- more than competent defenders behind him now on the ball who can progress play without him dropping deep to progress play, which I think is also crucial because now we've seen Saliba, we've seen Gabriel. Zinchenko's qualities and Ben White's qualities on the ball are known across the league. They can all step into midfield from defense, and then the onus isn't on Xhaka to do that, which means Xhaka can operate 20 yards further forward. And that stretches play a bit more, gives our midfield a bit more space with wingers like Martinelli and Saka, who are more than capable of holding the width and taking on a fullback one on one and beating them. It just means we've got a more, more capable. Starting eleven in general in possession, and and Jack is really benefiting from that. It's 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 really nice. I think from a, from a personal perspective to hear his name sung by the fans. I I, I think the All About Nothing documentary, All About Nothing, what, All, what or I, what nothing. It? <laughs> All or Nothing, All or Nothing, which is sort of All About Nothing in the end because we yeah. didn't get top four. Yeah, but true. the All or Nothing documentary, I think, really changed quite a lot of the people's perspectives on him. They sort of saw. To Xhaka, uh, that some fans and and uh, and obviously the players and the, the staff for the club know he is. He's a family man. He's very down to earth. He's there for the young players, and I think getting that insight into his life was was really positive. And um, and yeah, I'm really happy for him, and I'm really happy for us because we've got a really really good midfielder. And it does. It's not a long term fix because he's he's sort of in his late twenties, if not thirty, and we will need to sign. A more um, dynamic mobile left date within the next year or two, but at least he, the the at least the performances he's churning out, um, give us sort of the the vindication to to be like right, well he can play in this role for a season and he can do it as good as maybe anyone in the league or as good as most, and and I think that's really really important.
0: Yeah, I think he's definitely exceeding everyone's expectations, and
1: mm.
0: you know he he's looking really fit at the moment, just physically. I mean, you know, yeah. he's not necessarily always the most been the most mobile, but in that role where he's going box to box, I think you know he's looking really kind of strong and and almost athletic. Dare one say it? Um, mm. And it's strange to kind of look back at you know the old Arsene Wenger quotes when he first signed him and he said he was a box to box midfielder, and then he changed his tune, but. You know, I, I remember back in the day. I always used to say I could really imagine Granit Xhaka playing. You know, for someone like Bayern Munich, and what I thought in that was was that, and I guess thinking about it now, is that Granit Xhaka would probably always look quite good in a really good team because he's a, obviously an incredibly smart guy. That's why the coaches all love him. And mm-hmm. maybe you know the hard evidence of Xhaka playing quite well at the moment is the fact that Arsenal are a better team and and we're being coached better and he sort of embodies that that to the T. Um, yeah, he's doing a great job. And I think, like you say, he, he's saying a great example. He is the, you know, he, he's the vice captain pretty much. I mean, he's basically the captain without the armband. And I think the level of respect that all the players have for him, the manager has for him, now the fans, I think, even are starting to have for him. The fact mm-hmm. that they can sort of post these things on social media, people are chanting his, chanting his name, he feels okay, sort of. I think he went on to uh, the players' tribune. I think last season, and he did a really good interview. Mm. Of course, the stuff in All or Nothing. He's been very candid about his experiences, and I think everyone's sort of more more, more willing to listen to him because of the performances on the pitch. Whether that should be a sort of um, determining factor remains to be seen. But you know, he he's doing really well, and I'm really pleased for him. As we've both said, um, moving on then to. You know, just Arsenal's performances in general. I think we're seeing Arsenal dominate games in a way that is is very con- wholly convincing. Um, that we haven't mm. necessarily seen. It doesn't feel like stale domination thus far. We're creating lots of chances. We're scoring goals. I mean, we're winning games, but obviously Manchester United, which on another day maybe we win because I thought we played fantastically well. We were just sort mm. of vulnerable to the counter attack, and I think. You know, as we've seen with Manchester City and, and Pep Guardiola size, that is the sort of and you know, you look at Liverpool as well, when you're a dominant team and you have a lot of the ball, you're always going to be prone to counter-attacking sides like United, like Spurs <laughs> at the weekend, which we'll get on to. But you know, it's just great to see the team looking so strong collectively, but also individuals within the team, younger players, you know, the likes of Martin Erdegaard. I know he's picked up an injury recently, but I think he's back now. But he started the season really well. Uh, Gabriel Martinelli has sort of taken his game to a different level. I mean, I remember watching the the FC Zurich game, and Martinelli was acting like the senior player, which was which was brilliant okay. to see. Um, physically, he's really stepped up. Technically, he's really secure these days, um, which was sort of what we thought he he lacked a few years ago, and he was quite raw. I think even Saka, to be honest, I know he he hasn't quite hit the goal scoring heights of last season and 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 maybe isn't as exhilarating at times but i think also that comes down to the fact that we're a more well-rounded team we're less reliant just entirely on him and there's still been brilliant flashes from him he's he's laid on a lot of assists he scored his goal against united uh, he played really well for england in his cameo the other day and you know he's he's sort of being asked to do a job on that right-hand side hold the width of the pitch and i think he's doing it really well um what are your sort of main takeaways from, from the performances of, of individuals and the team um, just in general?
1: No, I think you, you covered most of them. And obviously we we watched the last game together and and I've watched obviously every other game as well. I think one thing that's really stood out to me, which... Obviously, it didn't happen against United, which was because that was a slightly different game and a slightly different atmosphere. But um, in all the other games against Villa, against Leicester, against Fulham, is the the rate at which we've responded to conceding a goal. Mm. I think that it's really, really stood out because we previously. Under our last season, we we hadn't been good when we'd conceded or come from or gone behind. You know, up until this season, only once had we come back to overturn a deficit, which was against Wolves um, in February of this year, when sort of Pepe Pepe came on and actually probably had his best um, twenty minutes of the the whole season last season, um, scoring and and sort of assisting Lacazette, who who went down as an own goal. Like the rate at which we've responded to conceding this season has been really, really um interesting. And really it is given, I think it's given an insight into the mentality within the squad. It's like what well, they believe that they're the be- the better team. I think now they actually know, and I that they are better technically, physically, tactically than I, I think every opposition they're gonna play this season, Bar City and Liverpool. And um and yeah, and, and and that's been really, really positive. Like I think what Saliba scored the own goal against Leicester, we went up the other end and went back winning two minutes later, three minutes later. David um Douglas Louise scores against Aston Villa against um scores for Aston Villa straight from a corner against us. What do we do? Two minutes later, we go ahead and yeah. That, that's something I've picked up on. I mean, tactically, we've seen a lot of changes. I think we're seeing very clearly the inverted four backs, mm. especially when Zinchenko plays. And that almost, it's almost like a three, 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 one. Or a three, yeah, sometimes, it,
0: sometimes it sometimes even turns into a two, sort of three, five. You've got Saliba and Gabriel, yeah. and then you've got you know, the parte and then the two inverted fullbacks. And then you've got the bank of five attackers. I mean, it's it's brilliant to see the kind of the patterns of play. And it, 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 we just look so well drilled at the moment. Um, as you said, everyone knows their job. Everyone looks fit. Everyone looks like they've got the belief. They're confident. They're, they're sort of up for it. Um, and I guess long may it continue. We've had a few injury mm. issues over the last sort of few weeks, um, but it looks like sort of the key men will be back for the weekend um obviously bad news about Emil Smith Rowe having groin surgery yeah. but I think that was sort of inevitable that that was going to happen otherwise he just would have stayed out and and continued to have all these niggles um but yeah I think you know the the job that Arteta Arteta's doing is is really good um I mean to put it simplistically <laughs> he he's really got this team well drilled and and playing kind of dynamic dominant um sort of uh well 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 drilled football and there's ambition there there's there's progress you can see there's mentality developing um and everyone's feeling confident so I think it's it's a really pr- promising start from Arsenal um at the start of this season look let's let's move it on slightly um and head into the north London derby conversation yeah Arsenal versus Tottenham Saturday lunchtime. It's always it's always funny, isn't it? The, the timing of a game can always influence the sort of the composition of your weekend. If you have the early game on Saturday and it goes well, then you're like, oh, I don't have to worry about, you know, the football or Arsenal and I can just sit back and watch everyone else play. Um, but if it doesn't go well, wow, well, let's not think of that alternative. How are you how are you feeling going into this derby um before we get into a few more of the specifics?
1: Well, I mean, I I hate this game. I remember I, you I, always get I, so
0: nervous, don't you?
1: Yeah, I I, <laughs> I hate it. I I, I I don't understand how people like it. I really, I just hate it. And I I don't even think we'll we'll, we'll lose. To be completely honest, although I'm not convinced we'll win. But why do you hate I it? I just hate it because you get because so nervous. I know, yeah, and I know what could happen if we lost. And, and 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 there is a possibility that we'll lose and i think this tottenham team are very good i think this tottenham team are actually better than our than us to be completely honest and um i think that and i think they may finish second i think city will walk away with the league mm. but i and I, but i'd actually think if you had to sort of if i had to predict where everyone would finish come may i would probably have Spurs second
0: and maybe I'm just it's sort of
1: protecting myself and us. No, no, as uh, Arsenal fans,
0: it's interesting because there, there's a sort of a, the jury's out on Spurs. They're they're obviously winning a lot of games. They haven't lost yet, but some of the performances haven't been the most dominant or convincing. They obviously play with a certain style that's counter-attacking and let the opposition have the ball and then rely on the quality that they have in the final third. I mean, when they played Leicester the other day, and it was sort of quite evenly poised and Leicester had, you know, the better of a lot of the game. And then they brought on Son from the bench who scored a hat-trick. I mean, the finishes from outside the box with either foot. And I guess, you know, when you have players like that, um, you know, Harry Kane scored, I think, six goals or something like that already. Son looks to have hit a bit of form. They strengthened with Richarlison who started decently well. Kulusevsky. I mean, they've got Antonio Conte as well who knows how to squeeze all the juice out of the team that he has and the players he has at his disposal and so i guess where you're coming from is that they are well drilled they are they play to their strengths and it may not be the most sort of uh pleasing to the eye sort of style of football but they 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 know how to get the results and i mean <laughs> the way that i look at it i'm i'm hoping that you know soon or or later they will become unstuck and they will not be able to break down someone who sits in a deep block, uh, low block, for example. Um, they'll obviously win a certain number of big games. I mean, hopefully not against us because of their style and just the, the sort of way that you set up. They invite the pressure onto you and then hit you on the counter, sucker punch, and they got the players to do it. But yeah, I think um, I think Spurs are obviously very dangerous. I mean, for me, I mean, the home team normally tends to win the derby which has sort of got to give you a bit of confidence but then also on the flip side gives you even more sort of anxiety because if then you don't then i mean the thing is we can't lose to we can't lose to tottenham at the north in the north london derby at the emirates like i get and i guess that's why you hate it because it it could just absolutely happen because anyone can win it but but in terms of the context of our season the way it's been going the way we've been playing the good mood the positivity what happened last season with the last North London derby when they beat us 3-0 and sort of ended, well, arguably ended our Champions League chances, you know, there's so much at stake. Whilst also, you know, it's just another game, it's just three points. We could easily, you know, draw the game or something. And then if you go on and beat Liverpool, then that's great. You know, you've got four points from two of these big games. So it depends how you look at it. But I think obviously as a standalone game, the the sort of... uh, yeah, the stakes are very, very high. So, yeah, I can see why <laughs> you hate the game. Yeah. I now, you,
1: now you know why yeah. I hate it.
0: Tomorrow morning. But, but I, if, uh, go on.
1: No, no. I was also just going to say, but but because you mentioned about Spurs and their performances, and I basically am of the opinion that this is the worst they're going to be all season, is it mm. But look, who knows? Maybe they get, and hopefully, they get some serious injuries to some key players. And I would love that. Yeah, but. I I think a Conte team at its worst draws or narrowly wins games. I mean they're like a high functioning Conte team in, and they the, they are they in, have in, been in, high in, hmm. yeah. It when when he's in his purple patch with a team which is which is usually trajectorized about now a year first 18 months first maybe two seasons up to two seasons with a the team then it can go a bit sour. Um I think a Conte team at its worst is um is just grinding out draws like they did they, they should never have drawn at Stamford Bridge. Never. No Tottenham team that I've ever seen walks away with that game, walks away from that game not losing, other than a team managed by Conte that draws mm. two to they pull your hair, they do whatever they need to do, as we saw, to just not lose a game. Mm. And so I mean, when i watched spurs wolves i watched wolves absolutely dominate spurs mm. i remember watching the and, first half of that and, game and 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 spurs grinded out a 1-0 win and 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 there's and and then at their best or a Conte team at its best will sort of dominate wide areas with wing backs really be really really difficult to break down and will win games 2-1 3-1 3-0 4-1 sort of thing mm. but I think and i my fear is and I hope I'm wrong is basically this is them at their worst, and at their worst, they're still very good. And and I don't think it's it's not like a Guardiola Klopp sort of project. I think next season or in a year and a half time they'll be Spurs again. But while they're um in sort of that purple patch of conte management, especially with the players they have Kane in his peak years, Son in his peak years. Some other decent squad players, as much as I didn't like to admit it, Romero is a good centre-back, Kulisevski and Richarlison are very good attackers. They've got decent midfielders, Ben Tanker, Hoiberg, Basuma. They're all, they're all good, solid Premier League midfielders and they're, you know, it's, it's going to be really tough. And so, yeah, I'm really, I'm not pessimistic. Like, I am optimistic for our chances. I think we're also very good. We're very hard to to play against. But and this is why i sort of said i think they could finish second or maybe we'll give city um the longest sort of title challenge is because Conte's been there he's done it multiple leagues in the world and 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 yeah he's a serial winner
0: yeah i think the main thing is it's going to be a big contrast of stars isn't it it's going to be arsenal yeah. we know how we're going to play we're going to set up dominate the ball try and you know pin spurs back uh, create lots of chances, uh, create overloads on each side, switch the ball quickly, and Spurs are gonna you know look for the interception, the ball to break and then counter quickly and and get us while we're up the pitch. And if they can play through the kind of the press, the coordinated press, then you know we're in trouble. So it's going to be really interesting to see who comes out on top. I think you know as a as a footballing purist as uh, Tottenham fans and Tottenham aren't, uh, I would prefer, and I, I like the fact that we play a certain style of football. That is, you know, looking to des- I think this. I heard Guardiola say this the other day. I think it might have been an old quote, but you play a style of football that, you know, um, merits deserving to win the game. For example, and look, maybe Spurs will argue that they play a certain style and and that's very effective, but. I think, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see who comes out on top and and sort of what the permutations are from the result. Um, I think the home atmosphere is going to be very important. I mean, it's been great. I'm sure you've been a few few times this season, but when I went mm. once with you, it was it a brilliant atmosphere. And I think Derby Day is also always very special. And if we start well, which I think we will, then it's going to be an electric atmosphere. I mean, people mm. have sort of not really realised how much of a sort of electric fortress the the emirates become sometimes when everyone gets going because i think there's so much passion within the fan base and and the synergy as i mentioned before between you know the kind of pyramid of arteta manager and then players and fans it's it's a powerful thing so I, i hope spurs get rumbled and we can put them to the sword um anything else before we Before we finish up for today, because I think we'll just leave it at at catching up about Arsenal and then Derby preview, and then yeah, we'll 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 get chatting a bit more. But yeah, how I don't know how how uh, how are we going to leave it? (laughs) Without let's not talk any more about Spurs. Let's just finish on a positive note about Arsenal.
1: You're you're right, and we should leave it on a yeah on an optimistic note. We we're, we're we're top of the league going into October. 18 points from a possible 21. It's been a start to the season that I don't think any of us expected. Even the game we lost, we dominated. It's the best I've seen us play in Old Trafford as long as I can remember, despite the scoreline. And the good thing is, between now and the World Cup, the games are coming thick and fast. We've got nine games in October. We've got another, I think, three or four in November before all the the. Nations get together on November the eighteenth for the World Cup, and so even if a result doesn't go our way, be that tomorrow, be that versus Liverpool, or in a few weeks' time, there's always going to be a game around the corner to get it out your system. And as a, as I sort of sort of alluded to about when I mentioned about us responding to goals quickly, we've also seen we've responded to defeats well. We lost to United. And we bounced back straight away, obviously beating Zurich in the Europa League. Then there was a bit of a break because of the Queen's passing. And then we, we comfortably brushed aside Brentford in, in a way that I've not seen a, any Premier League team do mm. since they came up to, to the Prem at the start of last season. We, we I actually think it was our best performance all round. Um And so... That's that's something to be positive about. Is even you know I think we can take heart out of defeat if and when it comes, and we can be sort of positive or safe in the knowledge that there's always going to be another game around the corner. And I'm much more confident, more confident maybe than ever over the past five or six years that oh, a single loss won't necessarily turn into a string of losses like it has done previously, especially last season, losing those first three games and then those three games on the spin. Um, the Palace, um, Brighton, and Southampton. So, so that I think that's maybe a bit more of a positive note to end on.
0: Absolutely. Um, well, look, I I'm sure we'll be texting during the game tomorrow, and um, <laughs> let's let's try and catch up at some point next week. Because um, we've obviously got to digest the Spurs game, then we've got a Europa League game, and then we've got Liverpool next Sunday. So, lots and lots of football to get our teeth stuck into over the next month. Um, let's leave it there for today um, as I said it will go well tomorrow that's for sure Johnny it's been a pleasure catching up um, so thank you for for joining me today
1: thank you look forward to speaking soon
0: indeed that sums it all, all up we'll be back next week um, and as I said we'll be back more regularly uh, from here on out a uh, quick reminder that you can find every episode of That Sums It All Up on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at That Sums It All Up and on Instagram ThatSumsItAllUpPod. That Sums It All Up Pod. Thank you all for listening. Take care and we're back soon. Until next time, take it easy. Goodbye.
1: That sums it all.